Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all of their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired in Haran. They set out for the land of Canaan. They came then to the land of Canaan. I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us today about getting to the promised land, about what it takes, what it takes for us to do as you see Abram doing here and going towards the promise of God. I think he's going to move in us. I think this series is going to do something special in every single one of us. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this time to worship you, Lord. And today, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your words like Abram heard from you. And we want to go where you want us to go. We want to do what you tell us to do. Because we know that you have something even greater prepared for us. So today, Lord, we take that step. We take that first step and say yes. We want to hear from you. Be with us now and speak to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, put your hands together and you can be seated. To those of you who were here last week and you enjoyed the word you heard from my mom, put your hands together. Come on, isn't she a good preacher? She's a great preacher. I've been trying to convince her all week that I want to start a women's ministry once a month gathering here where she can preach and teach all the things that she taught us. Really grateful for that word you brought last week, Mom. I love you. Thank you for what you did. I felt very powerfully after I left that God wanted me to do this series. I had been thinking about it for a couple of weeks now, and I've been talking to some people here about doing a series like this. And I felt compelled to do it last week after I've seen God move as powerfully as he moved among all of us last week. And as, as powerfully as I've seen God move for this church, I think that he wants to speak to us over the next, I, I don't know, maybe two months about the promised land, about what it takes and his, his word and its direction for us to be able to receive from him the promises that he has for us. It's so important. God has promises that this word tells us about. They're available and they're attainable 
people. They're not always received. And you see this throughout the Old Testament. I think that God wants to do something special with us. I think he wants to speak to us. He wants to prepare us. He wants to give us the direction so that you can, you can take hold of the promises of God. And if you're like me, you, I want that. Everything that God has promised for me, I want it. So I'm excited to start this series called The Promised Land. I'm excited for it. I believe that God's going to do something great. Earlier I was talking about that new Dr. Pepper ice cream. Did you try it? Come on, if you tried it, why don't you give me a little shout? No? What is going on? I know some liars in this place. I saw your Facebook feed. I saw your story. You secured the bag, someone said. Secured the bag. You got the ice cream. I ain't going to lie, I got me a pint. It was good. I'm lactose intolerant. I got it anyway. I got it anyway. I'll tell you why I got it anyway. Because how do you say no to Blue Bill and Dr. Pepper mixed together? Come on, amen in Jesus' name. We receive that. Glory be to God. It was a wonderful experience. And let me tell you something. Um, I had heard on the internet people searching for the ice cream and they couldn't find it. They would go from store to store and all the stores were sold out, and I thought it was really funny, and I said, well, I guess I'll never find it, because obviously everyone's like me, and they're going to try and get a hold of this ice cream. Well, one night, uh, I was at, one afternoon, not night, but I was at HEB, and I heard some footsteps behind me, and they were very, very strong, heavy footsteps. People, it sounded like were stampeding, and I didn't know what was happening, I turned around, and what I saw was about four or five adults. I'm going to specify adults. Running down the aisle to the area where there was Dr. Pepper ice cream. And I could see that there was an H-E-B employee. Come on, if you want to find anything, you got to go to H-E-B. And this H-E-B employee was pointing in the direction of the ice cream. And so these people were frantic and they were running to get some of this ice cream. And I followed them. I was like, okay, I mean, I mean, I'm ethnic and whenever someone runs, we run with them. If I started running right here, all of you who are ethnic would get up and start running. It's just a part of how we were raised. See someone running, something's wrong. I can't believe I just said that in church. I'm just saying it. I'm just saying. If you saw your boy running in the neighborhood, you ran too. You didn't know. Probably a loose dog or something. That dog's name was always King too. King's out. Watch out. King is out. Oh, man. So I start following them, and I'm like, I guess I'm, a, I'm just going to get some of this ice cream. I get to the place where the ice cream is, and I hear them just pouring the ice cream containers into their, into their little cart, there was an abundance of ice cream there. And they were loading up their cart because they said, oh no, we'll never find it again. And they were just loading it up and loading it up. And I walked over and I looked and I saw if there, you know, if there was ice cream left for me and there was, there was a couple pints left. And the guy literally said, when he looked at me, he said, we found the promised land. I knew then, okay, that's God telling me, I got to do this series. 
I got to do it. I was like, I guess that's the Lord speaking to me using Dr. Pepper. God can speak to you in any way. I just want you to understand that. And I think he confirmed that day that we're after something. I think he confirmed that day that deep down we're not satisfied. That deep down if there's something new that offers some kind of satisfaction, we will search, we will do whatever it takes to find it. Because deep down in our hearts, we're not satisfied. Deep down in our souls, there's an empty feeling and we feel like, oh man, maybe this ice cream will do it. or, Or maybe this new thing that I need to purchase will do it. Or maybe this new level at work will satisfy. Or maybe this amount of money in my bank account will satisfy. Or maybe this new relationship or this new vice will satisfy. And this is the beginning in our hearts of of us desiring what the Lord had set aside for us through his blessings. The Bible tells us that God has blessings. Blessings that he has in store for each and every one of us and blessings that are overwhelmingly satisfying. The kind of blessings that can bring fulfillment, the kind of blessings that can bring unceasing joy, better than any ice cream you can have, better than any of it, but do we Do we pursue it the same way that we pursue Dr. Pepper ice cream? Are you calling up the stores asking if they have it? And if you do that, because I know I do that, how, how often do you search out the things of God? How often do you pursue God for the blessings that he says are the full fulfillment for your soul? I mean, I saw post after post. I got the ice cream. I got the ice cream. I got it. I got it. I see so much of this, but I don't see people just posting how much they're fulfilled with God. And I think it's because we forgot that there is a pursuit required for us to be able to achieve what the promised land has in store. And what the promised land, the Bible tells us, has is overwhelming. The Bible says in Genesis, it's overflowing with milk and honey. It's the most beautiful place you could go. And so this was something that I think that God wants us to speak on. I'm excited to teach about it. The Bible tells us in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 12 about the promised land and about how you and I can find it. Now, this was a physical place for the people of Israel. But it's a spiritual reality that we can reach. And I'm not talking about things. Because things will fail you. People will fail you. Money will fail you. We're talking about the promises of God that can give you the fulfillment that you need. And if that's what you're searching for, I think that God wants us as a church to spiritually pursue him so that we can grab a hold of his promises. I think that's what he wants for us. Genesis chapter 12, the Bible tells us in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, now this is way before Abram became Abraham. This is before his wife Sarah became Sarah and she was Sarai. This is before Abram knew God. And it says, Now the Lord said to to Abram. I'm going to teach you really quickly a couple biblical Bible study hermeneutical concepts here. 
That word now is a continuation of what happened in chapter 11. And if you were reading chapter 12 trying to figure out what the promised land was and what it is and what it means for you in your life and you started there but you didn't go to chapter 11, you'd miss it. Because that word now means because of what happened in chapter 11, now the Lord said to Abram. So we're going to go to chapter 11, verse 31 first. The Bible says in chapter 11, verse 31, it says this. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. Spoiler alert. The land of Canaan is the promised land. In chapter 11, verse 31, they're already in pursuit of the land without God's guidance. God is un unavailable in their life at this moment. They are just wanting to go to this land. And the Bible says they wanted to enter the land of Canaan, and they went out as far as Haran and settled there. I don't know if you see it, but I want you to catch it. It says they were going to Canaan, but they went as far as Haran, and they settled there. I want you not to miss this. They had the, the land that they were trying to reach was available, but eventually they just settled. I need you to understand this because I need you to connect it with something that I think that's important about our lives. I think most of us settle. When it comes down to it, God has things that he wants us to experience. God has places in our life that he wants us to go and he wants to see us experience a specific life that he has planned out for us. Ephesians says he, he knows our steps. He plans it out. God has a plan for us. And look, if you look here, Abram was already on the way to the place that would eventually be the promised land, but he settled. I wonder how many of you settle. Before we even get in to this teaching, before we get into all of the things that come with getting to the land, obtaining the land, possessing it, the struggle, because on the way, on the way, the story is filled with people who give up. The story is filled with people who are, are wandering the desert because they complain and complain and God is so upset with them because he wants to give them the promise, but all they do is complain about how things were better here and things were better there. And God's saying, wait, like I have so much I can give you, but eventually I know that you will settle. Hundreds and hundreds of years because they settled. I don't want to be a church that settles. I want to know what God has for us, and I want to go for it with all I have. And I believe that you should have the same attitude in your life as you pursue the things that God has for you, for your family, for your life, the impact. Stop settling. It says that they went, but they settled. And now it says in verse one of chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, I love that God interjects in the moment of his settling. 
I love that God shows up even though Abram is settling. I love it because it encourages me to know that in the moments in my life when I've settled, when I've done the wrong thing, when I've compromised, God interjects and he says, no, you might have thought that the area that you went to is fine, but I got something better for you. You had a plan, you stopped to stay at Haran, but I got a promise and it's better. And I think that that's encouraging for you and me as we step in the direction of God's promise that in those moments when you give up, in those moments when you find yourself settling for less than what God has for you, God is faithful, God is good, and God does something incredible. And listen, you have to see it. It's, Abram was not a believer in God. Him and his family worshiped the stars and the moons. That's why later we see God tell Abram, look at the stars, count them. Because that's what he worshiped in Babylon and Ur. God speaks to an unbeliever and he gives him a promise. This is actually the beginning of what most theologians would call the age of the promise. Where God begins the promise time for all of his people. And he's talking to a man who doesn't follow him, who has done nothing to deserve it, and yet God is about to greatly bless him. God is speaking to him, and he's speaking to him. We don't know how, but he's speaking to him that most people will say his glory showed up to this man named Abram who did not deserve it. That encourages me. Because I know that I don't deserve it. I know that I fail. I know that on my way to pursuing God, I've stepped off the road that he put me on before. I've made mistakes. And yet it tells us here that this God is gracious, he's good, and everything that he ever does for us is founded in his grace. Never can we earn it. Never can we do anything to receive it. Nowhere do we find anywhere in the scripture that Abram deserved what God was going to give him. That's good news. Because we don't deserve everything that God gives us. That's the gospel. We don't deserve the things, the blessings. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve that salvation, once it becomes ours, can never be taken away again, no matter what you do. This is what God does for Abram. It says, now the Lord said to Abram. I, I, I don't want to, we did this in the summer. I went one verse for a whole sermon. I don't want to do that, but I just... I just want you to understand, if you understood the Bible, you would know that in chapter 11, God wanted to do away with mankind. In chapter 11, God was so upset with mankind because they built a tower called Babel. He was so upset with them that he, they wanted to be like God. They wanted to replace God. So the Bible says that God said, I want to do away with them, but I've already made a promise to never do that again because of Noah. I'll never do it again. So God says, so this is what I'll do, chapter 11. I'm going to create languages so that they can't talk to each other. And God, in his anger and his frustration with man being so selfish, he punishes them and he creates languages so they have to disperse. So check this out. During God's judgment of mankind, God's grace is still available. Chapter 11, he wants to do them out. Chapter 12, he's already got a plan for someone else. Love that about our God. 
that in the midst of what we would think is judgment on us because of the things that we do, he does not fail. He always has a plan. He has grace and mercy for each and every one of them, even a man who settles, even a man who doesn't believe in him, even you and me. Even you and me. Even you and me. So the Bible tells us that he tells him, Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. Now listen, in these days, these were three things you never asked a man to do. It was, it was unheard of for a man to leave his country, his relatives, or his father's house. His country was his identity, his his relatives, they were his clan and his father's house. That was, that was his security. And God is telling him to leave it all. God's saying, leave it all. And I want you to do this because I got something better for you. And this is what I need you to understand. The place, there's a reason why Abram settled. There's a reason why he settled in Ur in the Chaldeans. Why? Because Ur was a place that actually had business, it had money, and it had food, and it had an economy, and it was, it was sophisticated. The land of Canaan was not. It was barren. It was beautiful, but there was a lot of war that was going to happen there. And so God was calling Abram to leave security, to leave the things in his life that that had given him an identity, leave the things in his life that gave him a future because God had something better for him. And sometimes God will call us to leave things that are good. Sometimes God will call us to leave things that are holding us back for something that's better. And I believe that the Lord is calling us as a church to something that's better. I believe that the Lord is calling each and every one of us to something that is better. And so what he's saying to him is, don't be satisfied with good when I got something great. And maybe you don't know this, but what we have here is good, but God has something greater. God has something greater that he wants to do in and through us in this community, in this city. And maybe you don't want to think that far out. I'll tell you like this. God has more than good just for you. He has great. He has great. And he's wondering what you're willing to leave in the pursuit of the great thing that he has for you. He says, leave your father's house. Look, my parents live three blocks away. That's on purpose. Because my dad makes good food. And I got a key to his house. Listen, I got a key to his house. I like walking in and just taking stuff. When I need the groceries, I just go to my dad's house. I'm out of milk. I'm going to go over there. I'm out of creamer. My dad loves coffee. He's got creamer. I need eggs. I need tortillas. My dad's got it. I don't know what I would do if I had to move like uh, another block away. It'd be difficult. <laughs> Look at what God is telling him to do. You got to leave that security. Because I got something better. God will call you to great things. But all of that is attached to having to have faith. Having to have faith. God then tells him, these are the things I need you to leave, the things that I think you think is everything I have for you and I have more. 
Don't be afraid to push yourself. Don't be afraid to trust him for more than what you have. Don't be afraid to trust him for something greater. Not, this is not your cue to get a divorce. This is not your cue to leave your job. This is not your cue to go drop your kids off to an adoption institute. No. I know that's what y'all are thinking with your bad kids. I knew it. God wants me to drop off my dog. Something better. I knew it. No. What God wants us to drop off is our old mindset. That's it. He wants you to get rid of your old mindset, your limiting mindset to what God wants to do. He wants to do more. The Bible says that after he tells him the three things that he has to get rid of, then he tells him the seven things that he wants to do for him. I think that's awesome. The three things I want you to give up in return for the seven things I want to do for you. I don't know about you, but seven is greater than three. And I love this detail because it tells me that no matter what I give up, God will always outgive me. No matter what I give up, God will always do more. And you might be hurting because you had to leave some things. You might be hurting because you had to sacrifice. But God will always, come on, is this good? He will always do more. He will always do more. He says, you're giving up three, I got seven. Seven is the number of completion and fullness. What God has for you is better. It's full. It's complete. Quit trying to find fullness and satisfaction in other things other than the things that God wants you to pursue. It says, it says, do this and. It's a negotiation. You may not see it that way, but it is. Do this and. Don't miss it. Listen, the gift of God is eternal life. The reward of God is something you earn. I want you to get that. The gift of God is eternal life. Once you believe, it's yours. It's a gift. Can't do anything to lose it. It's a gift. But now, when it comes to rewards, like what God is about to do for Abram, it comes with a condition. Theologians call this a conditional covenant. Conditional. Meaning, I'm going to make a promise for you, but I need you to do this for me. This is a conditional covenant that Abram gets to have depending on whether he does what God asks him to do. So don't get, don't get it twisted. For us to get what God wants us to get, we got to do what he asks us to do. He says, leave and I will make you a great nation. Here come the seven promises, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I love it because here comes just an onslaught of promises, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Now listen, notice it doesn't say, and you shall be blessed. That's what we're all looking for, aren't we? I want to be blessed. I want to get everything that God has for me. Look at what God says to Abram. By the way, the two greatest things that happened in the Old Testament that happened so that Israel could be formed was this moment and the Exodus. 
That's it. This is a pivotal moment in the creation of God's people. This is what I'm trying to tell to you. You have to see this as a pivotal thing in your life. It's so necessary for you to be able to look at these scriptures and take the truth from them and apply them in your life because there are only two major things in the Old Testament that help to develop the nation of Israel. This moment of obedience from Abram and the exodus from slavery that Moses led. Those are the two most important things that we're going to go through all of that, through the exodus and into the promised land over the next few weeks. But you can't miss this, the obedience that he has here is so important. The mindset is different, and you shall be a blessing. Notice it does not say, and you shall be blessed. It says you shall be a blessing. God is saying the reason that I'm blessing you is so that you can be a blessing. That is the purpose of the Christian life. The purpose of our life is not so that we could be blessed and, and have an overflowing bank account and have things, but so that whatever God funnels into us, we can funnel to other people. That's the point. God will get you anything he needs to get you if it means that he can get it to other people through you. So God is saying, and you shall be a blessing. You shall be a blessing. And then verse 3 it says, and I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curses you I will curse, and in you all of the families of the earth will be blessed. This is, this is God's promise for those who are willing to take those steps that he's going to bless us, but it has a purpose so that we can bless others. And the whole point that we're here the reason this church started is so that we can be a blessing to other people, so that we can bring the gospel and the hope of Jesus to those who need it, and so that we can see people find restoration, so that we can see people get past addiction, so that we can see people get saved and follow Jesus. That is the purpose of our life. That's the spiritual side. Your blessings, what you have, your monetary things. Listen, the things that he's going to receive are monetary. God's saying those things are not for you. They're for you to bless others. This is how we can realize whether or not we're going to get into this promised land. Because Abram had to accept whatever he gives me. It's for other people. It's not always forming. The one thing that I think keeps us from experiencing God in our lives through his promises and his promised land, th theoretically, is our pride. Because our prayers are filled with prideful things, selfish things. And I get it. We all have needs. I'm there. I ask all the time. But God is not a holy vending machine. He will, he will funnel to you the things that he knows can go through you to help other people. So God is saying to them right here, I'm going I'm to bless you. This is, this is all that Abram has is a promise. It all starts with the promise. That's it. It starts with a promise. The only thing that Abram had was a promise. He obeyed, though. We find out that he obeys, and he obeys out of confidence that God would do what he promised to do. 
That's why he obeys. Because God promised it, and I believe that he's going to deliver it. It's funny when you see this, and you look at verse 4, it says, So Abram went forth. God told him what was going to happen. God gave him the, the directions. So Abram went forth. When I look at this, and when I see how this works, I kind of take a step back. Because it's such an easy transition for Abram. But it kind of confuses me. i got to be honest with you. Because if you look at verse 1, it says, The Lord tells Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land which I will show you. The phrase that's easily missed in this sentence is, I will show you. To the land which I This indicates that Abraham wasn't told exactly where he was going. This indicates that he did not know where or how he would get there. He didn't know when, he, when or how he would have to get started. It says, to a land I will show you, telling us that God's guidance came along the way. Did you hear that? God's guidance didn't come from the very, it's like, it's like getting your phone and putting in an address and waiting for it to give you the directions and you choosing. Is it, do you want the fastest route or the route that has no tolls? You, you pick before you get on that road. This is saying, get on the road and then I'll give you the directions. You, we won't even do that with Siri and our Apple Maps. But God is saying, give up everything. Give up everything and trust me that I have a promise that I'm going to fulfill in you. I think it's, I think it's normal for us to want certainty. I think, it's, I think it's normal to crave certainty. But walking in your calling towards his blessing will require you to leave comfort behind you and trust him in his calling. Having doubts and concerns and having some worry is normal, but the good news is that you don't have to have all of the pieces put together up front before you start the journey. That's the thing that I think we all are waiting for. I need to have the map for all of you type heirs. I got to have, I, when you plan your trip, you know where you're going to stop, where you're getting gas, how you know exactly where you're getting food. I don't do that. I just get in the car. I just, because my parents did that all the time. We just got in the car. We didn't have Apple Maps. My dad just knew where he was going. He just knew. I'm going to get to this street and I'm going to go here. I remember when I was young, I remember when we would go to Mexico all the time. I got to the point where I knew where we were going to go. I had, a, I had a little bit of an understanding of the directions. I knew, oh, we're in this town, and now we're in Beeville, and now we're in Falfurias, and now we got to take this right, and there's going to be a gas station. Got to take a left. And I had this, but there was one day when my dad said, all right, we got, we got a house in Mexico now. We got to take stuff over there. We got to take two cars. He said, we got to take two cars, and you got to drive one of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> no maps, no key maps, no nothing. All I had was my dad. And I remember we had walkie-talkies. We talked. No matter how clear the walkie-talkie was, if you got behind another foot or two, 
it would break up and I wouldn't know. I was so nervous. I was so nervous because I knew that if I got lost, I didn't know the way. So what happened was, is I made sure to follow my dad as closely as I could. Because if I followed him closely, there was no way that I could lose contact with him on the walkie-talkie, and there was no way I would get lost. You're not hearing me. God does not give Abraham the directions. He doesn't tell him how. He didn't tell him which turns he was going to take. God did not tell Abraham the details because God knew that if I give him the details, he's going to forget about me. And he's going to trust the map and not me. Some of you, you want a map. And God's saying, uh-uh. Because if I give you a map, you're going you're to trust the map and not me. And God will allow you to go through this life without a map if it means that you're going to have to stay in a little bit closer, if it means that you're going to have to lean in just a little bit more, if it means that you're going to have to feel the pressure in your soul to keep a closer distance and read your Bible and go to church and worship a little bit longer and do the things that he's asked you to do because he knows if I give you the plan, you're going to trust the plan and not the promiser. And the promiser is what's most important. So God didn't give him, God didn't give him everything. Before Abraham knew where he was going, he had to leave what he knew. Did you get that? Before Abram knew where he was going, he had to leave what he knew. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household. Do you notice how specific God was with him? Leave your country, leave your people, leave your dad. And do you notice how vague God was about what he would have to do next? Why? Because it's not about the plan. It's about the one who made the plan. That's what it's all about. So here God is and the Bible says, is this good, is this all right? Okay, I hope it's all right. The Bible says, let's get the worship team up here. Let's get the worship team. The Bible says, so Abram went forth as the Lord spoke to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. You know what that tells me? It's never too late. Come on, it's never too late. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what part of life you find yourself in. You can still be used by God in a great way. 75 years old. His dad lived to 225. He said, I'm, I'm halfway, I'm not even halfway through my life yet. For us, it might seem like it. And maybe you've hit a place where you say, nah, it's too late for me. I really can't pursue the promises of God. I've done too much. I failed too many times. I've had too many struggles in my life. I've settled a little bit too long. He was 75. Listen, if you're 75, I'm not calling you old. But he was old. And he's still 
was called, you could be called by God, be 85 years old, 90 years old, and God could use you in a powerful way. Hey, listen, you could be called by God, you're 13 years old, 14 years old. You could be divorced with two kids, and you can still be called by God. God could use you in ways that you do not know. You could have problems at home. You could come from a family that's got dysfunction, it's got addiction, and God can still call you no matter what it is that you're dealing with. God can still use you in great ways. So he was 75 years old, and I want you to, don't miss this, verse 5. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and don't miss it, and all of their possessions that they had accumulated. What's that mean? We ain't going back. This was a symbol of his faithfulness. He didn't leave something back home in case it didn't work out. He went all in and said, I'm, I'm pushing all my chips forward. I'm trusting God with all I have, all of my possessions, everything I have. It's going with me because I'm trusting him on a word. I'm trusting him to fulfill the promise that he has for me. And I think that you'll start to see God move powerfully if you're in your life when everything goes with you. Not just you, but your family. Not just you, but your finances. Everything goes towards the plan of God. All of it, the way that I live, the way that, my, that people see me, the way that I interact on social media, the way that I act with family, the way that I deal with my money, all of it goes with me towards the plan of God. Nothing stays behind. Oh, I'll leave this here because I don't want God to touch that in case. That's my security blanket. No, Abram took everything. I'm following him, trusting him, believing him all that he wants to do. Listen, you will not possess what you're not willing to fully pursue. Everything God wants to do in your life next is connected to what he's calling you to do right now. What's next starts now. If you don't leave what you know because of what's unknown, you won't know what God has for you. The place that I will show you. You see that? So the place that I will show you. You, you walk by faith, not by sight. He said, I'll show you later. You don't need to see it right now. For those of you who are hesitating because you don't see it right now, you can still take a step forward. Still walk even if it seems unfinished, even if it seems like, like it's impossible and that you really don't understand it, that's exactly how God calls you. It's not all going to be clear. For all of you who need to see clarity, you will never pursue God this way. And you will miss out on the promises that are more overwhelming than you can imagine because that is saved for the faithful. The place where I will show you. Listen, future-based promises require present-day obedience. Future promises require present-day obedience. And listen, delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. You and I, we have to get to the place where this is something that we pursue fully. 
What you want in your future is determined by what you do in your present. I don't know about you, but I want to head towards the promised land. I don't know about you, but I want to get there, and I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him with all that I have. And listen, you got to check your frustrations at the door. You got to check your, listen, you have to check your, want me, want me to prove it to you from the Bible? Okay. So Abram, he took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions, which they had accumulated. And what? And they set out for Canaan. Put it up. Verse six, 5. And then what? Verse 6. Read this. It says, and thus, what happened? They got to Canaan. We don't know when, but they got to Canaan. They actually made it. We made it. We're here. Abram passed through the land as far as the side of Shechem to the oak of Morah. He's, Abram is sojourning, they say right now. He's made it to the land, and he's just, okay, God, where do you want me to go? Just going to sojourn and go everywhere. Don't miss it. Don't miss this important thing. In the pursuit of the faithfulness of God, you've got to check your frustrations at the door. Check this out. Now the Canaanite was in the land. Oh, man. Oh, there's some fights we got to fight. Don't expect to get to the promised land and not have a fight to fight. Don't expect to get to the place where God is calling you to for generational blessing and then not have a fight to fight. If you turn around the minute you see the fight, the generational blessing will pass right by you. The minute things get tough, if you pack up, if things don't look right, I got to go. Listen, now they're there, and there it is. The Canaanites are there. The people that have inhabited this land, oh, it's going to be a fight for your future. Oh, it's going to be a fight to obtain what God has for you. Oh, it's going to be a fight for this church to do what it has to do. Oh, it's going to be a fight, and I don't apologize for any of the fighting that's on our pathway to what God is doing, because that's what he has in our path, and that's what we're going to face, and that's what we're going to do, because we trust that God is guiding us, and he's faithful, and he's good, and he's going to honor us. The Bible says the Canaanite was in the land, so then God appeared to Abram, and look what he says. To your descendants I will give this land. Wait a minute. I thought this was for me. I don't even got any kids. Lot was his nephew. God, I just got here, and you're telling me this isn't for me. It's for my descendants. He's saying this is it's greater than just for you. It's for your legacy. We don't even know it yet. God is going to bless him abundantly. God is going to show him the stars and say, you're going to be the father of a nation greater than you can even count. He says, so quit with the selfishness. It's not about you. It's about the legacy I'm going to leave for you. You're here. That's great. But you're not going to have it just yet. We got to learn to be patient. 
we got to learn to trust him even when we think he's taking his time because it means that he has a legacy that he's trying to build in and through us, in your family. That means your children. That means your grandchildren. That means generation upon generation. This is a generational thing. He's not just the God of Abraham. No, 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 you got to catch it. He's not just the God of Abraham. The Bible, whenever it brings him up, it says he's the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, meaning this is a generational thing. Your sons and your sons will follow me. They're going to have a land that's going to be there because you were faithful, because you didn't give up, because you trusted me. To your descendants, I will give this land, not to you. It's in that moment that God will check your pride. I've realized this church ain't for me, it's for my kids. It's for my kids and their kids. It's not for me. So look what Abram did. He didn't turn around and go back home, did he? Just so he built an altar. He built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Listen, next verse says, then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the side of Bethel and he pitched his tent. Listen, he built an altar, permanent but he pitched his tent temporary. Oh, don't miss it. His altars were stronger than his tents because he accepted it. It doesn't matter where I live, it doesn't matter where I go, but what matters is the worship of God, the honoring of his name. So I'm gonna build an altar that's stronger than my tent. He's standing on the land and he says, I'm not going to build myself a house. I left my father's house. I'm building God's house. I'm building his altar and I'm putting myself aside. I think if we started living life that way or we'd build bigger altars than we do homes, bigger altars than we do tents, we'd see God do generational things in and through us. Yeah, I think we would. Come on, stand up. Stand up. Listen, if you don't think I have been just waiting to get up here, I think that this is, a, this is a pivotal moment for us as a church. You don't want to miss a single week. I think God's going to do incredible, incredible things through these messages. And I think that together, we will get to the promised land. Come on, put your hands together.